Hello, all, and welcome into another installment of Pirate Recap. My name is Spencer Gonzalez. I'm joined here by Justin Osterwick, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the Seton Hall men's soccer season of 2022 that ended all the way back in November. We're coming back to it. We're going to look over some of our favorite moments, some of our favorite games, talk about some of the players, the expectations that we had going in. We're just going to talk all things Seton Hall Pirates men's soccer. As I said before, my name is Spencer Gonzalez, joined by Justin Osterwick. Justin, how are you feeling today, man? Hey, pretty good. Uh, hope everyone, everyone is doing well out there. It is hot in New Jersey. I was just telling Spencer before uh, coming on, it, it June felt like you were in the middle of spring. It was, it was like cool-ish. It was comfortable. And then we, the calendar turned over to July and it just has turned into just a hot box. It's just so <laughs> hot. It's just like humid and sticky. It's just like New Jersey. It's New Jersey summer, uh, all over again. So definitely looking forward to, uh, talking some soccer with you today. And, uh, hey, I can't wait to recap some of these games we, uh, covered this year. Man, I, let me tell you, I'm, I'm very lucky to not be in New Jersey right now. I, I get back there in the fall and it's hot enough for me as it is. I'm back <laughs> over on the West Coast. I'm in Washington. A nice chilly 71 degrees, at least compared to what you're going through. Um, but yeah, like we were saying before, uh, the men's soccer season this year, a, a lot going in. Uh, so this was a team that back in 2020, which was a crazy year as it was, uh, was an even crazier year for the men's soccer team. They were able to get into the NCAA tournament. And not only that, but they were able to go far a couple years ago. And with all that hype, 2021 was a little bit of a letdown for the fan base and the school. You know, that team did not reach its full expectations. So 2022 was a slate that they needed to fill and they needed to show what this they were capable of as a team. And so going into this season, expectations were pretty high, or at least they were uh, uh, higher than what they were able to do in 2021. And from what I've seen from this team uh, in 2022, they were able to get back to that promised land. They were able to get back to that NCAA tournament. They finished with a 7-4 and 7 overall record, 4-1 and 5 in conference play. They had a ton of away games, 10 in total compared to the 7 they had at home. But they stayed vigilant. They stayed really strong throughout that stretch of season. And they were able to put together a resume that got them a bid into that NCAA tournament. And as we all know, that tournament didn't end the way that the Pirates wanted it to. They went all the way to Durham, New Hampshire. Me and uh, Joey Nardone went to cover that game, and that did not end the way they wanted it, one to two. But then again, New Hampshire as a school, tough place to play. I remember uh, back when I was doing my scouting, they've lost like one game in the past couple of years that they've played in their home stadium. So that was a really tough task for them. But the fact that they were able to get back to that NCAA tournament, the fact that they were able to play at a high level in conference play and finish second overall in the standings showed a lot of promise going forward. And so uh, looking back at the season, at least for me, I, I think it was a success, Justin. But let's go over to you. Uh, what was it like, the expectations going into the season? And how do you think they, they met them or do you think they disappointed? I, I think in 2022, the expectations were met. You look at that 2021 season, six, eight, and three overall, two, seven, and one in conference. And especially coming off of a big East champion tournament championship, you went so far in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. During the 2020, it was during a COVID year, you can put an asterisk, but that doesn't really matter. You still won a championship. You still went out there and beat the top dog that year in 2020 of Georgetown. So you come into 2021, a little bit of, it looked like, just looking from the outside, looking in, a little bit of a championship hangover type of thing where it was just six, eight, and one, like never got their traction. Um, and then you look at um, 2022, 
and you see the improvement, a lot of a lot more wins. Um, the 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 part that I would say that was kind of disappointing was the draws, the the mm-hmm. amount of draws, seven draws, and again we talked about it right before coming on, seven draws. If if let's say you go instead of seven, you have you four of those become victories, and it's a whole different it's a game changer um to the conference and just harp on that point about the uh new hampshire game i remember um i'd be like in and out of the training room and and kate and kelly is the soccer uh trainer and Mm. once they got their bid they were like yeah going up to unh that's a tough place to play especially in november where it is cold like you're coming and like anywhere on the east coast is cold in november but up, go up to New Hampshire, play in New Hampshire in what was that middle of November? And yeah. that's that's start that's starting winter time right there, mm-hmm. like prime winter where it's like 40s, 50s. I don't know what it was that day, but it probably wasn't pleasant. Um, but to, like you said, getting the automatic bid, I think, was a huge success for this team because after the Big East tournament, you get blown out by Creighton. That that was a Duncan McGuire who is a phenomenal player. Four goals oh. in that game. Just a tough overall game um for the Pirates. And being able to be competitive in that UNH game against UNH, um it, it's definitely a catalyst for this year to see what is to come. Man, oh geez, those those last couple of games in that season because uh throughout um you know, you're feeling good if you're a fan of this soccer team or the soccer club. Uh, they are getting a lot of draws, which, you know, you kind of hate to see. But they're staying strong in those standings. And they stayed strong in those standings throughout. And there was a point where I, I think they were flirting with maybe somehow getting to that first spot. And uh, you could see in the play of these guys, they, they really believed that they could get there. And they really believed that they had that chance to somehow get up to Georgetown and maybe knock them off. Didn't happen. Georgetown win eight one and one in conference, twelve six and three overall. Like that's just tough for anybody to go against. Oh, yeah. Um, and they only let up nine goals, by the way, Georgetown, uh, opposed to Seton Hall's eleven, which ranked second in the Big East. So like, uh, Georgetown's just one of those teams that you see like everything you can do, they can do better, which is tough to go against. But it's it's really uh, uh cool to see that Seton Hall was able to stay with them. Um, but going to those final two games of the season. After feeling so confident, after getting that two seed and getting to the Big East tournament, to lose like that to Creighton and to specifically Duncan McGuire. Let's be real, Justin. I think if you take Duncan McGuire out of the equation with his four goals in that game, that is a wildly different match, okay? Um, Duncan McGuire also, he he got drafted to the MLS. He got, went to Orlando uh, City, I believe. So uh, let's not act like he wasn't – or uh, I, like sometimes we all forget like – that was the Duncan McGuire game. Uh, but losing 6-0, that was tough. Like you mentioned before, when they learned that they were going up to New Hampshire, that, that is a tough place to play. And you, you said that they were talking about the weather. That's something I completely forgot. I was on that game with Joey Nardone. It was freezing up there. I remember I learned that the night before the game that I was going up there. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll pack a sweatshirt, maybe some jeans, you know, <laughs> along with everything else. And Joey is like, no, this is New Hampshire, man. Like, you need to pack, like, an overcoat. You need to pack, like, long johns, like, long sleeve shirt. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll pack it just in case. I get up there. Man, it is, like, 20 degrees in the middle of November. It, it, it was crazy. And we get to the field, uh, clear skies. Come halftime, though, it starts, like, 
snowing. It starts like flurrying. Like it, it looked like magic. It was a, <laughs> it was a tough game because it was magical for the Pirates, but the, the weather was such a factor and that was such a tough place to play first game out for the Pirates. But I think it was great that they got there. I think it was great that they got that bid and they got, uh, so high into the Big East and then into that NCAA tournament. Um, but Justin, uh, I just wanted to ask you, I guess, just as this recap, what was your favorite game this season? There were a lot of good games out there. There were a lot of fun moments, but what was your favorite game from this 2022 season for the Pirates? So I want to, I want to preface just going through their Big East schedule. They played a lot of those games so close. Like mm. they're four, uh, what were they? Four, one and five. I think their record was no, I don't think so. They were, they were, yeah, four, one and four, five. One and five. Yep. That could have been so much different with the amount of five ties in conference again. And they were all like such close games. But I think I'm leaning towards – I got to lean towards the Oregon State game when they mm. beat number 10 Oregon State at, yeah. in Oregon one nothing. Um, I just remember kind of the media around school kind of blowing up a little bit uh, because it was very unexpected. They they That was their second game of the year. They had a, mm. a tough West Coast swing. They they played Temple. They they tied 1-1 here on August 20 – in Philly on August 29th. And then to fly out – to play a game against Oregon State on September 2nd um, and win one nothing, um, mm. It's very impressive. And uh, just overall game and playing so well defensively against a caliber team that you think, hey, we're a little, we're a little school in New Jersey against a powerhouse Pac-12 team and being able to get those little victories. Like you can go look back to 2020 uh, beating in Indiana, beating some of these big powerful schools and – to come into 2022 and have that that showcase game so early on and mm-hmm. get that win so early to showcase like hey we still can we can still play with the big dogs here and beat some of these big teams um in different conferences i that's my um that's that's the game that comes to fruition for me that I'm like hey that's like that's a star right there on the mm-hmm. schedule to say like hey this was impressive yeah, I I remember that Oregon that Oregon State win. I think I was in studio. I wasn't working the game, but we weren't covering it. We can't send people all the way out to Oregon State. <laughs> but uh, I remember I was I I think I was uh, just doing uh, uh, something. I was DJing, but I was looking at that score. I'm like, we're up, we're up on Oregon State. This is amazing, and it kept going and kept going, and we got the win. I was in shock. A number ten win, a, a, a ranked team that we go all the way across the country for and get the win against a Pac-12 too. Pac-12 is a good soccer conference, and to show that you can get a win over Oregon State, I think that gave uh, everybody a lot of hope going forward in this season because uh, Seton Hall started off really solid. They got that 3-0 uh, win against Ryder, and then Temple they got that tie, which was in Philly. You know, it's always a tough place to play, and that Oregon State win right after. Just gave a ton of momentum, so I I agree. I think that was a fun game to for this team to win and to follow, and I think that gave a lot of hope, and I think that gave the feeling to everyone that this season was going to be different than 2021. That maybe you know the team's got its mojo back, and they're going to be able to get back to those uh, uh, higher grounds of the NCAA tournament and the uh, Big East tournament. Even um, for me, I covered a couple games this year. Uh, the first one was. Oh, it was a fun one. It was against Creighton. Actually, it was it was right here in South Orange. I called that one with Wilner Lewis. Um, I got to see Duncan McGuire up close. He didn't do a lot, actually. He he wasn't even the guy who scored, scored the goal for Creighton. Uh, it was a 1-1 draw. 
But uh, that one was fun because Seton Hall was down one uh, nil. Uh, Alfie Pope scored this crazy goal off of like this this cheap penalty that they called in their attacking third, and they were able to get a free kick in. and They're able to somehow get that. Um, and so the, the, the seconds were taken down, you know, the pirates were going to drop one at home. It felt like, and it was really, really, you know, sad because you really wanted them to get that. But then Quincy Herman in the 90th minute got a penalty kick. He somehow got all the way down in there. He got a foul or a penalty, sorry. And he was able to set up for the equalizer in the 90th minute. It was such a good game to tie. Like, even though, you know, you get seven draws on the year, which is, like, a disgusting amount of draws. Like, you hate to see that. That one was, like, a very good draw to have. Because Creighton was just such an explosive team coming in. Uh, as we can see, they're, you know, they're the conference champions. So, they're not a team to be messed around with. And Seton Hall found a way to get a draw against them. That was definitely a fun game to uh, uh, cover and watch. Um, but then, I, you know, I got to say, it was a crazy experience getting to go up to New Hampshire. So at least for me, I think that was a really fun game uh, to be a part of. And it was a good game for this uh, complete, like, organization. You know, Seton Hall was able to get back in the tournament. They were able to play a high-caliber team like New Hampshire. And uh, they went down early in that one, Justin. Uh, two quick goals um, from New Hampshire put them in a really tough place. But then the Pirates, you know, fought back. They were able to get another goal in that first half. And then the second half was back and forth. Uh, you know, they were able to get a couple good runs. New Hampshire would steal away momentum. But they never gave up. They never stopped fighting. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get the equalizer to, you know, send it into extra time or maybe even get all the way to penalty kicks. But I think that was just a good showing that, hey, you know, the Pirates are back. They got in the tournament and they played their hearts out. And next year, you better believe that they're coming for more than just an appearance. They're going to go for some wins in that NCAA tournament, hopefully. Um, that was my favorite part. Um, but let's go to the individuals that were on this team. You had a ton of great pieces coming into this year um, that, you know, last year uh, weren't able to fully uh, develop or meld together. But then you come into this year and it feels like something new. It feels like something a lot better. Um, and it definitely was. So I just want to go with you, uh, you know, looking over this team, Justin, who's your MVP from the 2022 season? So this is cheating, but I have co-MVPs, um, <laughs> really quick, but I, first I have Luca Don, um, comes back for his grad year and he was the real anchor of the Seton Hall defense, just allowing, allowing his the defense of counterparts kind of just to play their game and knowing that Don would be in the back ready to just be that anchor for this mm -hmm. team. And he know having that experience from winning a uh, conference tournament in 2020 and going to the, having that experience of going to the college cup in 2020 was, was huge for this team because we're going to touch on this in a little bit. This is a very young team and it's about to become even younger. Um, so having him on board to be able to teach uh, the people around him, um, that championship mentality and not keep, not having your head down for too long after a draw that you fought so hard for or after a loss. So uh, he, he's my part one to, uh, my MVP. My part two, uh, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna butcher his last name, um, so much, but Hannes Ron Holman, he was their goalie, uh, last year and Coming off of uh, Andres Nota, 
who was their goalie during that championship run. And now Hannes taking over for two years, he had a lot to live up to. Like Andres Nona was a huge name here on campus um, at Seton Hall because of how, first of all, in 2020, shooting, having that penalty shootout kick to send Seton Hall to move on, that was electric. But also just he was a really good goalie, a lot to live up to. But he was their, their anchor in goal through the whole year. And you knew other than I'm not I'm sorry to mention it again, Hannes, but that that Big East tournament game where it just <laughs> nothing was working. But you knew that you had a guy in goal that would stop everything in its path. Hmm. No, yeah, no, I'll let you have the co MVPs. I'll let you cheat a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> uh, there, there's just a lot. I, I, this team has stars for sure. It has big impact players, but I never looked at it as one guy would always take over, right? You know, that's, there's just different ways of play. Like some, some clubs have Duncan McGuire where he'll go for 23 goals and you'll just kind of believe that he'll take you there. But this team worked so well together. And while your, your picks totally valid, those guys put up like crazy numbers. I just see it as such like a a huge team effort, but different players will come out and shine in different moments. And I really like that. But if I had to choose the guy that always caught my eye was Matisse Almeida Sundell. Uh, Sundell was always in the attacking third wreaking havoc, okay? This guy's always the fastest player on the team, always the fastest player on the field, at least when I was watching. And though, you know, the points don't show it, the the goals, he only had three on the year, don't really show it. I always thought that he made things happen. He was able to get a clutch pass into the box, into somebody uh, to go and get that goal. He was always able to fight for uh, headers and go and fight for contested balls in order to keep possession for this Pirates team. He was just such a game wrecker, and the stats never show it. And, you know, uh, if you look at the stat sheet, he, he may be a little, uh, you know, pass over there. But I always appreciated how much he fought for this team. And I think, like, when it comes to MVP, I always think of Amita Sundell just because of the way he fought every minute of those 90 minutes to go and get his team that win. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, this is a young team. This is absolutely a young team. Uh, and there are a lot of surprises that came out of the woodwork. So, Justin, I want to ask you, who was kind of the biggest surprise from this year? Who was a guy that kind of rose up or kind of uh, didn't have a, a great a uh, year before or didn't, you know, show up. But this year, you know, uh, made a lot of impact for the squad. You could you could name so many people in this list because, like you said, um, about your MVP, I just feel like this is more – there's not one player that's going to take over a game, like, just like mm-hmm. you said. So it's all a team effort. You could say um, James Boot, who was the assist leader in 2020, coming back and having a really good season um, mm-hmm. this past year. Um, you could also say their defense as a whole, that whole defensive line with Luka Don, but he's always had a good, um, he's always had a good season, but Hugo Keller, um, Hannes Pex, just to name a few. Uh, but I'm going to go with, uh, Andre Borg, who mm. he, he is, he's only five, six, but his presence is always felt on the field. The way he can dribble up and down, uh, the field and make opportunities on the wing, he would always be centering passes to make opportunities for goals. Um, so I, I think he was probably the most impactful player, um, most improved too. Not mm. not having that like he has that ability to gri- dribble, but not uh, doing too much with the ball. Trying to find his players in the center uh, of the box to sc- have opportunities to score. Mm. Yeah, I, I, there are so many like 
in sports terms, there's so many dogs on this team, right? Like guys who would just go out and and make things happen. A lot of unselfish play from a lot of players, which I I really love that just because it it shows that you all have that one goal. You all have that one mentality. It doesn't matter about, you know, the one guy, but it matters about going in there and getting the job done. So you, you really love to see that from guys. Um, if I had to pick a surprise, though, I, I definitely uh, it, it's a little out there. I, I really like the play that I saw from Ian Albuquerque this year. Now, uh, this is a guy. He's a he's a junior now. 2021, he was the co-freshman male scholar athlete of the year. He didn't know. So he he was in 2021. He, uh, uh, you know, didn't do a ton. But this year he came in, he played really quality minutes. Sometimes he'd start, sometimes he'd come off. He started 14 games, but he played in 18. Um, and this is another guy where even though it didn't show up on the stat sheet, uh, Ian Albuquerque was always out there, um, you know, doing stuff and getting the job done for this team. Um, and he was a, a really solid on the defensive end. He was really solid, uh, you know, moving in transition, trying to go and attack. And I really liked the play I saw from him. He was always a good surprise when he'd sub in and just add a little spark to this team to try and help him get that win. Um, but, you know, Justin, we were talking before, young team, it's going to get even younger, um, you know, uh, as the new season's almost here. It's, it's going to start in August, by the way, late August. We're already in mm-hmm. July. And, you know, that's right on the doorstep, uh, or it's like, you know, the start of the season is right on the doorstep, which is kind of crazy. Uh, the Pirates added on four newcomers for this 2023 season. Um, Andres Lindbergh announced that they're going to add four uh, new guys, one from South Orange. We're going to get a transfer from Sweden and Samuel Bjork. Uh, Jared Smith is going to transfer in after playing three seasons at Quinnipiac. And then Ethan Wright is coming in from Columbia. Um he comes to South Orange uh, from Bethesda Chevy Chase High School. So these are, uh, you know, four guys that are going to come in and try and add on to what the Pirates are building right here. Um, and it's a really bright future. And along with these uh, couple of transfers and couple of signees, the new schedule has just been announced, 2023. And we we're talking about it before we started recording. But what are your thoughts on that new schedule? Because there are some doozy games on there, but there's also a lot of opportunity to show what this team is made of. So I like how uh, Coach Lindbergh, Andres Lindbergh, kind of he changed their thought with like thinking of with the schedule, if that makes any sense. Mm. They start off with Ryder. I feel like every Seton Hall team plays Ryder at some point. I know <laughs> on the swim team, we always that's our first meet. But yeah. for soccer as well, it's always their first game. So at Ryder at home. And then it's just it's a crazy beginning of the year. It starts it goes to Air Force here in South Orange, which should be a great game. Opening oh, yeah. weekend. It's a Sunday, August 27th. Uh, we're covering it. Um, so that's going to be a fun game to watch. And then they have, they always go to, this year they're going to a tournament. Um, instead of, like last year they went on the West Coast, they played Portland, they played Oregon State. This year they're going to Indiana to play Ohio State in Indiana. Um, and then they have Harvard. So that is a tough stretch of five, of one, two, uh, four games of non-conference. Those are big teams. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, looking at the College Cup uh, results from last year, I was looking at it. There, these teams made the College Cup. Mm-hmm. These are no joke teams. Actually, I lied. None of these teams made the College <laughs> Cup, but they have the resume. They have the resume of making the College Cup. Indiana yes. made it back in 2020. Yes. Ohio State and Indiana, both Big Ten teams. They're both really good soccer schools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an interesting stretch. And after you get done with Harvard. You play Georgetown in, yeah. in South Orange. 
who was 8-1-1 last year. I, I think it's going to be a doozy of a first six games. If this team can come out three and three in these games, you, you're going to be ecstatic because that means you beat maybe two Big Ten teams. Maybe you knocked off Georgetown, who is the top of the heap uh, in the Big East. Yeah. Um, you're definitely going to be a rider because that that's a team you kind of own. But like, if you can beat Rider, Air Force, and Georgetown, and come out of that three and three, and you're like, okay, that's great. And then you go into conference play and. The addition we talked about with Akron coming into the conference, that's going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a pretty good school. Um, they're a new addition to the Big East. So it's an interesting schedule, to say the least. I think it's going to it's going to be tough at the beginning. I, I th- mm-hmm. Like I said, three and three is your goal out of those first six games. And if that's the case, you're going to be like, okay, this is going to be a really good season for the Pirates. Yeah, and that's that's like the – the risk and reward of having a schedule like this, you risk dropping most of these games because these are against good clubs. Okay. These are against good ball clubs. Got Ohio state, Indiana, like you're talking, these are like real power five schools. Harvard Ivy league is always difficult when it comes to, to these types of things. Uh, and then Georgetown just starting out that schedule is a complete gauntlet. And then, yeah, they, they play Princeton way later on, too. So you got another Ivy League school coming in. They're, they're going to be visiting South Orange, luckily, for the Pirates. So that'll be a home game. And then right after that, you have Creighton. They won't have Duncan McGuire. But, you know, they're still they're still a formidable foe. Um, so the risk here is that, you you know, you, you risk dropping a lot of these games because these are tough. I'm not saying that this Pirate squad isn't up to it. I'm just saying... Uh, you know, uh, once that kickoff happens, anything can happen. So you kind of risk that. But the reward, if you win these games, if you go three and three, like you were talking about, if you're able to get a couple draws here, or maybe even get a couple really solid wins, that builds momentum going into conference play. And Justin, you're going to be hard pressed to find me an early schedule that is as hard or harder than this in the Big East. Okay. This preps this Seton Hall team fully for Big East conference play, which they were able to play really competitive and really well in finishing second in the Big East last year. So this is kind of the test. And I really like what uh, Coach Lindbergh's doing here. You know, you, you, you have a really good season last year. You want to see if this squad is real. And so you put them up against an absolute wall of opponents. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a really fun year next year covering this team, covering all of these uh, battles that are going to be happening. Akron's going to be interesting. We don't know a ton about them, but we know that, you know, they're coming into the Big East for soccer. They're, you know, uh, a fresh meat. So we'll see if Seton Hall is able to, you know, uh, crack the code on them and get uh, the first win against them. Um and we're just going to see – I have to see how this season goes because there's a lot of hype coming in, you know. You feel really good after going as far as you did last year. So this 2023 season, a lot of hype around it, a lot of hope for this Pirate squad. And I'm excited. I know you're excited. And I think all Pirate fans are excited for this team and yeah, what I they have, can do. I have one more point about this schedule really quick, okay. I'm looking at the last year's Big Ten standings. Ohio State and Indiana were third and fourth, respectively, at four, two, and two, and three, one, and four. So mm-hmm. they're no joke. I also yeah. I, I thought of this while you were talking about the schedule. What I want to see is, since it's such a young team, how they mesh together. Mm. Because that's, that's like you said, it's a wall of a schedule. So yeah. you hopefully during the offseason, like they're going to come back probably late July to start yeah. training and getting ready for the 
this schedule, um, they're going to have to have a really good camp to get together and really focus on what is coming ahead. And good on Coach Lindbergh to get these hard schedules because last year they saw, okay, we had a pretty good non-conference schedule. We did pretty well, and we got an automatic bid out of it. Yeah. So if we get, make it a little bit even of a tougher schedule, and let's say we, we lose maybe uh, four games in that non-conference schedule, but we play it close to the vest or even tie, like you said, close to the vest, we can make a more of a case of saying, hey, we put really hard non-conference uh, teams on our schedule. The Big East mm-hmm. soccer uh, the Big East soccer as a whole is not a joke. It is a tough yeah. it is a tough round of teams. You have Creighton, who I want to mention also. Shout out Creighton. They made it to the final <laughs> four of the College Cup last yeah. year. They uh-huh. went on a run. They, they, they were they had a seven game win streak going into the tournament, and then they just kept winning. So they're no joke. Georgetown's no joke, and you can go through each team, but it's going to be a year for the Pirates, and they're going to have to prove it each and every game. And I think they can. Um, the experience, like the experience of the coaching staff, is what's yes. going to carry them through this tough schedule. And like I said, three and three—that's all they need. Three yeah. and three, and you're happy. And you can that then you can make the case. Okay, they can get an automatic bid. I don't, I, I don't want to say easily, but they have oh. a good chance. Of making right. automatic bid. Right. Three and three is the magic number. Then you work off that. I, I think you brought up a lot of good points. You know, the it's a young team. So they got a mesh. And uh, late July, you said, is when they're probably going to come back. Yeah. You, got a, you got a full month. You got a full month to see what, you know, you're made of, to see how you work together. It is, it's going to be a fun year, man. And I'm really excited to, uh, uh, you know, go into it, watch it, cover it with WSOU. I know you are, too. Mm-hmm. And, folks, I think that's going to wrap up. Pirate recap on the 2022 season with this Pirate Soccer Squad. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining me. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Awesome. I I can't wait for this season. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good one. From Spencer Gonzalez and Justin Osterwick, this is So Long for Pirate Recap.